It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Today is Thursday, November 10th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. With about half of absentee and early ballots now in for some Alaska districts following Tuesday's election, Rebecca Himshute and Bert Stedman appear likely to represent Sitka and Petersburg and outlying communities in the new legislative session in Juneau this January. Stedman's Senate district also includes Ketchikan and surrounding communities, and his lead over his challenger will almost certainly hold. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. All election results are still unofficial, but Rebecca Hemshute's combined total of election night votes and early absentee votes has firmed up her lead over Kenny Carl Scaffolstad with 57% of the vote to Scaffolstad's 43. While it's mathematically possible for Scaffolstad to win, the former Huna mayor would have to pick up nearly all of the outstanding advance votes to come out on top. Himshute, a Sitka assembly member running for state office as an independent, is relieved the campaign is over. Obviously, I'm really pleased with, with the outcomes that we're seeing right now, and, and I'm hesitating to make any bold statements, but it's certainly I'm very optimistic, and it looks like things are going to go the way I want it to, and I'm, I'm just really, really pleased with that outcome, and I'm really pleased with the campaign, and I, I think the biggest feeling I have right now is gratitude. I just feel really incredibly grateful to, you know, to my team, to the voters. Himshute says she's also feeling exhausted. House District 2 is more than Sitka and Petersburg. There are about 15 communities scattered across the region, and Himshute spent much of her campaign getting to know them. That Bert Stedman is well-known is an understatement. He's been representing all the communities of Senate A, which includes both House Districts 2 and 1, since he was appointed by then-Governor Frank Murkowski 19 years ago. With about half the outstanding absentee and early votes now counted, his election night lead over Petersburg challenger and fellow Republican Mike Sheldon remains solid, over 68% for Stedman to 33% for Sheldon. Stedman began visiting communities around the district the third week of July. He says it's been a tiring campaign, but also gratifying. So it's been quite a long haul covered a lot of a lot of communities, uh, met a lot of people. But it is humbling and very appreciative that 70% of the district voted in favor of my re-election to represent them for another four years after 19 years of service. It's, it's very nice. Stedman could return to the Senate with significant clout depending on the outcome of close races in south-central Alaska. Over his nearly two decades in the legislature, he's had ranking committee assignments in both bipartisan coalitions and Republican majorities. The strong nod from voters in Southeast could help him land another leadership assignment when the state Senate organizes next January. I've got a lot of experience in years, so even if the vote count was substantially different than it is today, I'd still be in a very good position when it comes to organizational positioning just due to I guess, knowledge of the of the interworkings of the legislature and seniority. Although the legislative races for House 2 and Senate A look likely to have settled, that's because both only had two candidates. Other statewide races with three or more candidates, including governor, U.S. senator, and U.S. representative, won't be decided until November 23rd, when ranked choice ballots are tabulated for any race where no candidate has received over 50% of votes. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. 
The Sitka Tribe of Alaska held its annual Tribal Council election on Tuesday, and several councillors were re-elected to their seats. Incumbent Tribal Council Chairman Lawrence Woody Widmark secured another two-year term with 136 votes. Incumbents Louise Brady and Dion Brady-Howard will both serve another two-year term, earning 116 and 120 votes respectively. Lillian Feldpausch, who has served on the council before, was elected to a new term with 80 votes. And Elena Peterson won the fourth seat, securing 67 votes as a write-in candidate. Incumbents Bob Sam and Mike Miller did not seek re-election this year. Their terms will end on November 30th, according to a press release from the tribe, which thanked them for their many years of service on the council. Election results are unofficial until they're certified in early December, when new tribal council members will be sworn in for their two-year terms. The Sitka Assembly is moving forward with a long-planned seaplane project, and while new estimates project the cost at more than double the original predictions, the Assembly is going for a fully realized project rather than a more affordable, scaled-back option. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. The existing seaplane base is more than 50 years old, and long-standing plans to replace the aging infrastructure are finally moving forward. And while the price tag is higher, the city plans to cover most of the construction and the land purchase with federal grant money. In September, Public Works Director Mike Harmon told the Assembly that the project could end up costing more than double their original estimates. At its last meeting, Harmon brought several options to the Assembly for consideration. A full-scale project totaling $38 million, or a scaled-back project with a $28 million price tag. With either option, the city would cover a 6% match, just over $2 million for the bigger project, or around $1.5 million for the scaled-back version, a difference of around $600,000. Several community members voiced support for the full build-out. Skylar Mace works for Insara, heading the Coho Enhancement Project on Deer Lake on the other side of Baranoff Island. He said float planes were crucial to their work. They fly year-round for the troll fleet and spend over $50,000 on aviation. And the access we have right now compared to other areas in southeast is pretty poor. I guess I fully support a full plan for this as it directly affects my job and a lot of people in the community. And it would be a lot greater or it'd be a lot more problematic for how our project operates if we didn't have aircraft services. And assembly members lined up behind the full build out too. Member Kevin Mosher said $600,000 was a lot of money, but not when you were leveraging it for another $10 million. And he believed they shouldn't delay the project any longer. The federal government is spending a lot of money right now in infrastructure for this country. This isn't going to last forever. We don't know when we're going to get this kind of opportunity again. And I see this as building something that for the future that will last many years to come. Assembly member Rebecca Hemshute believed the smaller project would be less attractive overall for float plane operators. So if we do anything less than the full build, we run the risk of people not finding it um, enticing to use our facility and choosing instead to go somewhere else or choosing Yeah, not to fly here. So I think that's a really important factor. Ultimately, the Assembly unanimously approved the full build-out. Afterwards, Baronautica owner Kevin Mulligan said he was both surprised and overjoyed that it finally passed. It's going to be a great opportunity for Sitka. We're going to go from having the worst seaplane facility in Southeast to 
the nicest one. Right now, Mulligan is the only float plane operator providing transportation services in Sitka. Yeah, there's times that I didn't even want to get in the plane and I'd go out flying and you know, to bring somebody to the hospital or somebody needs to go see their family if there's a death in the family or something or Thanksgiving's coming up and then this weather is just changes in minutes and to have other operators out there just for backup, it's just it's just really important. It's really exciting. If approved on final reading, the $2.1 million in matching funds will be drawn from the city's general fund to purchase the land and move forward with the project. But Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he hoped the city would create a separate enterprise fund for the seaplane base in the future. I want to make sure that the user fees are enough to cover the maintenance of the facility, um, especially with this one being directed at a, a pretty specific group. Um, while we will have people utilizing the, the freight services and the ferry services, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that we can replace this facility in the future and then when stuff breaks that we're able to go down and fix it. The Assembly will consider the project funding on final reading at its next regular meeting on November 22nd. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The biggest town on Prince of Wales Island needs a bigger cemetery. In Craig, there are only a handful of graves left. City officials have been working to expand the site without disrupting the rest of the popular attractions on Cemetery Island. KRBD's Reagan Miller reports. There are five or six unclaimed graves left at the Craig Memorial Cemetery. So while we do have more space, um, a lot of them have been claimed and we have um, stopped allowing that system due to the lack of available space. That's Samantha Wilson, Craig City Planning Director. She says residents can't reserve graves anymore because of the lack of space. That's why the city decided to start expanding the cemetery. She says the expansion is a big project. It will likely unfold over the next 30 years, and the city is estimating spending up to $30,000 annually on improvements. That includes adding more graves and a place to store ashes known as a columbarium. It would expand the cemetery by at least 10,000 square feet, including more parking and at least 200 new grave sites. The project also would restore old stairs leading up to the hillside graves. Wilson says Cemetery Island means a lot to residents. Well, the cemetery area is pretty important for our community um, because it's not just used as grave space. It's also uh, part of a major recreation area, and it's right on the water. A well-loved trail winds through the cemetery, and there are ball fields, a playground, and a picnic area nearby. Wilson says residents want to see expansions to those areas, but not at the expense of the peaceful grave sites. I think a lot of it's what we had in mind from the get-go, because we don't want to eliminate current uses, but definitely continuing to maintain the character of the cemetery while meeting future needs and um, continuing to meet current needs as well. Wilson says that the improvements to Cemetery Island will be spaced out over the decades that it takes to complete the project. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.